0: Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we are packing our best short shorts and crop tops for a fun-filled summer of outdoor activities and cold-blooded murder at Camp Arawak. Don't forget your physical forms.
1: Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate
0: the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much-maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy.
1: So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the 206th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are the internet's only bad movie and good beer podcast endorsed by crazy ants and homoerotic softball leagues. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight for the first installment in our Hops and Summer Camp Flop series, where we'll be reviewing bad movies that involve summer camps in some capacity. And for tonight's episode, we'll be talking about the campy 80s cult classic slasher, Sleepaway Camp. Joining me on this episode is the pod's resident mean girl, the Thunderous Wizard.
2: I'm a loner, Chumpzilla,
0: A rebel. R.I.P. Paul Rubens. Here's one to you,
1: Pee-wee. Cheers, buddy.
0: And we have the one of us most likely to rock a crop top while recording, Bling Blake.
1: Mostly come to the summer camps for the hot women and cold food. I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: I'm glad you didn't use one of the lines from the chef. So
1: there was nothing usable from the chef's lines other than, hey, kid, what are you doing?
0: Not at all usable. (laughs) Nope. Nobody wants to talk about the Baldies.
1: <laughs> Yeesh. All
0: right. And as always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops, and wherever the finest podcast can be downloaded. And gentlemen, that does bring us to beer and for sleepaway camp. I have selected a beer that, much like the movie, attempted to support the LGBTQ community through a misguided attempt at representation. Good old Bud Light. It tastes like soggy rice krispies, regret, and an unaffordable payment on a lifted F-150. I'm going to give this a half a bad movie, uh, because, you know, after one or two of these, I definitely am ready for a real beer like Miller High Life. This Bud's for you, Miss Mulvaney. Cheers. I had a Bud Light at Comic-Con,
2: and I hated every second of it. (laughs)
0: I am not enjoying this uh, this Pounder
2: right now. And not because they tried to do the right thing and be inclusive. I obviously have no issue with that. The beer is just terrible.
1: Yeah, it really is. I was raised in Ohio, so I grew up on Bud Light. And I will sit through three bad movies drinking Bud Light because I'll feel just as sober at the end of it as I did at the beginning.
2: I mean, honestly, you get more sober by the end of the film. I mean, it
0: hydrates you. I'm going to have to question uh, Bling Blake's bona fides here. If he's truly from Ohio, he should have been drinking some old Milwaukee's. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, dude. Bud Light is a St. Louis thing. Well, Milwaukee's
0: certainly not an Ohio thing. What about Yingling? Pennsylvania. Uh, Oddly enough, Yingling was not distributed in Ohio for a very long time. So your beer is just the Byzantine residue. beer distribution laws. You could not get a Yingling in Ohio for like twenty years.
2: Your beer is just the residue of an old uh, skyline
1: like chili tub. Uh, I believe that's yeast yeast called Little
0: Kings. That's that <laughs>
1: Little Kings. Yeah. I'm more of a I'm more of a Hootie delight kind of guy.
0: Oh, there we go. Yeah. Hootie. Hootie. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh,
0: so let's talk about Sleepaway Camp here. Uh, it was written and directed by Robert Hiltzik. And this is pretty much it for his uh, movie career. He did return to write and direct a 2008 directed video sequel uh, that connects directly to the original film titled Return to Sleepaway Camp. And yeah, so it's pretty much like, you know, Sleepaway Camp's, you know, Superman Returns. It just ignores the previous two sequels.
2: I just want to state for the record, the reason there are two sequels to this is because it was not a flop <laughs> It made made a lot of money on a very small budget, but it also is written abysmally, and I don't know why it's a cult classic. I'm just going on the record. I don't see anything about this movie that makes it cult classic worthy, aside from the reveal at the end, which we'll talk about later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is what the movie is most known for, and it did make a pretty decent profit on a very, very modest budget um the cast is made up of a bunch of young unknowns and a couple of veteran character actors the most recognizable face and voice is that of robert earl darth vader's vader jones that's right darth vader's dad is in this movie and
2: this the resemblance is fairly striking they have the same smile you can tell they're related yeah
0: very similar voices too Uh uh-huh
2: and his big role in the film is like pretending like the pedophile cook is just telling jokes and not being totally problematic.
0: Yeah. A uh, little, little racist too. I mean, it's uh, definitely uh, a product of the times. Oh, this movie. I, not great. There's a
2: lot of shit in this movie. It's just like, you know what? Even for the eighties, this is not good. This, nope, like, yeah. this is, I don't know why somebody thought this was a good idea. I don't know why somebody would write this.
0: Yeah. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to the script and some of the dialogue. Um, And the other character actor is the scummy camp director played by Mike Kellen in his final role. He was actually quite sick during filming, but did his best to hide it. And he actually passed away a few months after the filming wrapped. So, rip Mike. Uh, As for the campers, we have uh, Felissa Rose as Angela. Jonathan Tiersten, whose name is misspelled in the opening credits as Cousin Ricky. Karen Fields as the sadistic Judy. Catherine Cammie as M-E-G-Meg. And Christopher Collette plays the ill-fated Paul. And, like, none of these guys went on to do anything. Uh, Felisa Rose did do, or Felisa, excuse me, she went on to do a bunch of, like, uh, Grindhouse Uh, B-horror movies, and she's like a B-movie scream queen, kind of. And then I think it's uh, the actress that played Meg, Catherine Cammie, she had a bunch of uh, TV and soap opera work. But other than that, most of these folks only come back for the sequels if they survived. And that's not even like like two or three. They showed up in some of the 2008-2012 sequels. So it's kind of weird. This movie didn't jumpstart anybody's career, really, except for weird Alyssa. yeah there's no johnny depp or kevin bacon here
2: no and that's immediately clear when you meet the counselors who are a combination of oddly old looking and actual <laughs> like oh that yeah. could be a camp counselor the one guy looks like he's 40 <laughs> yeah,
0: the big guy i can't think yeah. what his name is <laughs> i mean he's uh, my
2: favorite character but he does look old
0: and he's like straight from jersey yeah <laughs> Oh He's no. only one of them that has an East Coast accent. Yeah. Oh, no, guys. This is bad. <laughs> He's like, what if the Fonz got on the juice, you know? But anyway. <clears throat> so as T-Dubs pointed out, Sleepaway Camp was filmed on a shoestring budget of $350,000 in the Glens Fall area of New York. I've been there. It's very pretty. Uh, and the movie was a modest success. It netted $11 million when released in November of 1983, but contemporary critics pegged it as a trashy and derivative Friday the 13th knockoff, which is not entirely wrong.
1: No, Um, not not wrong at all.
0: No. And many criticized the quality of the script and the vulgar language used by the teenage campers, which I actually think is one of the cooler parts of the movie. It gives it some super bad charm. That's how kids talk. Well, Um,
2: yeah, it kind of nails the asshole teenager thing. But most people just simply do not act like human beings in this movie.
0: Yeah, it's all wasted because the characters, like aside from some of the insults being like quippy, the way they talk to each other, it's bizarre. And the acting is not strong. You can tell it's a bunch of, you know, rookies and or soon to not be working actors. (laughs) But, you know, there have been four sequels over the years and the film has gained a cult following and some more positive contemporary reviews. It currently has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, With a shockingly lower audience score of 60%, I would assume those numbers would be flipped, frankly. Both of those numbers are mystifying.
2: Both are way too high. This is a very mediocre slasher movie. A hallmark of a good slasher is, yeah, it might be trash, but the carnage is cool, and you can't even say that for this movie.
0: No, uh, not a lot of blood,
2: frankly. Or gore. It's mostly nonsensical crap it's like it's like the 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 people who shot this movie and i know tom savini did some work on this movie and i love tom savini but like it's like it's not how it's not how beast things work it's not that's not how 24 hours in the lake would would make you look that's
0: not but you don't like the snake crawling through the guy's skull come on that was pretty it's it's also ridiculous it doesn't oh just go on no, the, the bees is probably the weakest. The bees is off. so
2: stupid. It, it is clear he's not being attacked. It's just bad all around. First of all, it's like, listen, dude, you're gonna run around with no shirt on. You can't even fucking break the goddamn broomstick. Get the fuck out of yeah. here, dude. <laughs> Come
0: on. I'm I'm telling you, all they had to do for that to make sense was just set up that the kid was allergic to bees. Boom, done. And then you don't. Then you don't even need the heavy. Special effects. Macaulay Culkin put up a bigger fight against the bees in My Girl than that jump yeah. did. <laughs> oh no! Uh, but anyway, Sleepaway Camp runs a crisp eighty-four minutes. It feels longer than that, though. Really, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek crisp, but kind of drags.
2: Well, it does but, because uh, you open the movie with a prologue and then a really weird scene with the ant. And there's a strange montage of her two dads in bed. The prior. dream sequence. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, think about the tracking shot of the camp, which
0: goes on for about five minutes. Oh, you mean the opening credits?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So bad.
0: I have a question about that. Hold on. Uh, it's rated R, and you can stream it anywhere for free, including Tubi, uh, except for Apple TV. Fuck you, Tim Apple. Making a, safe, a sleep-away
2: camp. Not a big fan of... He was one of the campers that survived, so he's
0: got some trauma. Ah, okay, that, yeah. that makes sense. So that brings us to one-liners. Why don't you kick us off, Bling Blake? What do you got for us?
1: Don't send your kids here. This camp sucks.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fair.
2: <laughs> what do you got, T-Dubs? Camp on wana. I hold you in my heart, but when I think about you... All I can remember is the girl who we thought was a girl actually had a penis and chopped off that one guy's head. And it makes me want to fart.
1: Spoiler alert. Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Heads up, folks.
2: I mean, I had other ones like this one time at summer camp, a girl who actually had a penis murdered a bunch of my fellow campers. It was pretty terrible. And then I stuck a flute in my pussy. (laughs) No. No. No, it was not a flute.
0: <laughs> I stuck a curling iron. curling iron. <laughs> <sighs> oh, okay, wow. Yeah, spoiler again. Uh, anyway, uh, here's mine. Sleepaway Camp is a campy and ham-fisted attempt at exploring gender roles in the slasher genre and should be remembered for more than just its shocking ending.
1: I The fact that you're going to spend the next hour defending this movie, I don't... Of all the things that you have trashed that were better quality on this pod, and you're going to sit here and be like, it's a campy ham-fisted attempt at exploring gender roles in this. Get, get out. This movie sucks. No, this, this movie sucks yeah. and so do you.
2: This movie has nothing to say. It's never, it's never clever. It's also never not obvious that she's the
0: murderer. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I think that I appreciate some of the things this movie tries to do but doesn't accomplish because it is not, it's not a good movie. It's not, I'm not going to defend the quality of the film from like a, a subjective standpoint, but objectively I think it's trying to do some things. So let's get into this plot. Oh, actually before we get into the plot, here's the strangely long IMDB description. Angela Baker, a shy traumatized young girl is sent to summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions towards her, Gets their comeuppance.
2: See, and now I take utter offense to this because she murders indiscriminately. She murders children. Mm-hmm. She murders children, and that's why this, this movie's stupid. There yeah. are no rules here. It it is just going for shock value, and it fails because it never establishes tension ever, and the kills suck. But the fact that she murders a bunch of sleeping children makes her like you're supposed to like in a way feel there's got to be something that draws you to the slasher she sucks she sucks through yeah. the whole
0: movie doesn't work all i can say to that is i think that is an indication that she's losing control like she's she's breaking her rules and that's when she kind of loses at the end because the paul guy never really wrongs her he just wants to get in her pants
2: right no he's, he's just still, he's he just it. comes on a bit strong paul
1: well, he well also, I mean, he also kisses her mortal enemy. That's well,
0: that's, yeah. Moral, I, I, that's fair. And that
1: calls mean, her a prude.
0: Allegedly, I mean that that, that could have been some gaslighting. Yeah, it for could have could have been a duty, but but yeah. I mean, but saying. anyway. I, I mean, I think again, it gets indication of her kind of losing her stuff, right, at the end. Um, but now we can give them the plot. We can talk maybe more about these kills. Actually, I kind of gloss over it because it's not really worth getting that detailed. But as previously indicated, the movie does open with a flashback showing the Baker family, Father John, son Peter, and daughter Angela, enjoying a summer day on their sailboat. Tragedy strikes when two teenage boaters strike the Baker's overturned boat, killing John and Peter, while John's boyfriend, Lenny, looks on and what I can only describe as indifferent disgust. Like, what was that guy's direction? He's watching, like, his... Wife, partner, and one of his children die in a boating accident. He just kind of stares into the middle distance.
2: What was anybody's direction here, other than have you acted before? No. Okay. Well, huh? Let's work. Let's workshop this. Just, you'll be just, perfect. Just do whatever feels right. How would a I human mean... behave in this moment? Don't do that. Whatever you <laughs> feel like a real human being would do, don't do it.
1: I mean, obviously, they're trying to create that, like, like, oh, he's immediately traumatized by the horrific thing that he's just seen. So maybe he's going to be the killer at the end of the movie. Uh,
0: yeah, that whole scene is just shot so poorly. It's such a weak start. I, I don't know. I mean, you have to watch the movie twice to even understand it, frankly, because uh, the first time it doesn't make a lot of sense, except that you see that there's one kid in a life vest alive and one life vest is chewed up next to the overturned body of... What you assume is the father. I guess the trunks match. W- whatever. But one of the children is dead, and we presume it is Peter. Uh, flash forward eight years, and Angela is now living with her very eccentric aunt and her cousin, Ricky. Nutty aunt is in the process of sending the kids off to the summer camp, but not before making sure they don't forget their physical forms. Oh, my. We couldn't have that now, could we?
2: All right, so uh, here's which, here's my thing. She is so off-putting. Yeah. And again, not believable as being from this planet. I just can't stand it.
0: She's literally a character out of Pee Wee. Uh, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse or something.
2: And I, I just don't get what, what she was going for there. What was the
0: direction there? Yeah. Because it, it's clear that something's not right, right? It's clear that something's not right. And poor Ricky must be like conditioned to it because he doesn't seem to think it's odd that his aunt is just bashing. that his aunt
2: is sexually assaulting his cousin, maybe. No, that's his mom, isn't no, it? His his mom is sexually assaulting his cousin, which, yeah. or yeah. something,
1: yeah. By the
2: and end, a, like abusing at the very least, sort of what it feels like. Like, I'm gonna dress you up like a girl and you're
0: gonna do what I tell you to do. It's like, uh, I, it, yeah, again, you watch this movie a second time, it's like it's it's. It's better and worse. Anyway, at the camp, the mostly mute Angela has trouble fitting in and is picked on by the mean girl click, mainly the bitchy counselor Meg and the head bitch in charge Judy. Meanwhile, the boys mainly seem interested in mildly homoerotic hazing. They're just having a good time. I mean, the boys do seem
2: like 80s kids that would be at a summer camp. The girls, the, the fact that the counselor is in on like the let's prey on this Feeble individual. is like, what is going on at this summer camp? Like, it's like anarchy. Of course, then she's gonna fuck Mel. So, so I guess it is anarchy. But,
0: I mean, yeah, it's very just
2: sleazy. And also, for all the unbelievable shit that happens in this movie, her being excited to go have sex with Mel at his private
0: residence seems like a bridge too far for me. I, you know, wild could... thing. <laughs> what I didn't get is why, like, the head. Girl counselor, why wasn't she after the head guy counselor? That's the natural. hierarchy I mean, of this kind of genre. I like the film. cut
2: of that dude's jib. Super Jack, very short shorts.
0: Seemed like a nice guy. Seemed he was nice. the only
1: nice person in the movie. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I did like Ricky's, uh, you know, guy that was in their bunk. He was he was a crop topper. It's tough.
0: He I seemed mean, cool. Are you talking about
2: Mozart. I
0: don't. Is, no, Mozart's the nerd. No, Gino. Gino. Yeah, my dog. Gino. Yeah, the, the other bigger guy. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's interesting that uh, you mentioned, Bling, that there aren't many likable characters in this movie. None of the female campers have redeemable qualities. They're all awful. And no, most of the male the one The one counselor's
2: nice. There's a nice female counselor, too.
0: Yeah, and she he, doesn't get a lot of screen time, but she does. No. She's the one that tries to comfort Angela uh, on, like, one or two occasions.
2: But anyway... Can I also tell you the biggest takeaway from this movie for me? These kids are wearing shorts, very very short shorts. There's no way you don't know she's smuggling grapes.
1: Impossible. I mean, if my Spider-Man tights from Comic Con have taught us anything, <laughs> we, Oh, no. Bring, it, bring anything, a dance belt. <laughs> when, when you're wearing
2: stuff that tight, no way, Angela's not outed within minutes. Uh huh. Paul's gets, gonna scope that out. She gets wet like at one this point. I like where
0: this is going. I don't like where this is going.
2: You come out of the water with non-swim trunks on. Let me tell you something. She doesn't get in the water. She gets thrown in the water. She, gets, she, she gets does. In. She avoids yeah. it because. And they would have been like, better. "Hey, where where'd you get that moose knuckle?"
0: Yeah, uh, it's a camel tail. Oh jeez. Okay, we're Bumblebee, right. uh,
2: your balls are showing.
0: <laughs> Looks like old chewing gum. Um, at this point, the movie falls into a repetitive cycle of Angela being slighted. Or sexually assaulted, followed by a faceless killer murdering the perpetrator of the slight in standard '80s slasher fashion. You also get some Scooby-Doo-esque misdirection and a pretty wild dream sequence that has no business going that hard in a campy slasher movie. Like that's like a serious like repressed trauma flashback thing. It's also like this movie's
2: supposed to be like you know and you know pro. LGBTQ, and yet it's the two kids snickering at the father and his lover.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's about the shame. Like it's a kind of like a shame thing. Like because then when she tries to get intimate, like she feels shameful about it, and it's confused. Like she doesn't understand her own sexuality. And let's be clear here:
2: this movie's not smart enough to try any. It's not. I think what they were trying to subvert the
0: tropes and be, you know, uh, subversive. Uh, just in general. And, and let's be clear here though, because this movie is slightly controversial in the in the LGBTQ community because she's not actually uh, you, you know consenting to her transition. She was forced to do that. So it, it's kind of a misnomer to call her truly a trans individual because it wasn't her choice to present uh, as a female. So that that does make the movie a little more complicated when you look at it through that lens like hey remember she, this is forced on her she was groomed into this by her crazy aunt and so i think it kind of speaks to how broken and confused that makes the angela character and i and I, I can do i will give some credit to the director i think that's what he was trying to show there is that she doesn't know how to feel or how to process her feelings
2: i can't give him any credit I don't, he I don't wrote know. a character really as, way a, other... as a pedophile at a summer camp, and had children murdered as part of the plot. This guy's a
0: hack. But I, I don't know. I, to He's me, it's a like, hack. But that's the kind and of stuff that movies that really like crap. That to me, that's kind of revenge fantasy. That kind of stuff really happens, though. That's where kids get assaulted when they get isolated from their families. I, I, I think the guy was trying to say something. I don't think he did a good job with it. But I think if you look but at he it, there also has friends. a scene
2: where it's pretty clear that the brother and sister were doing things with each other. They're playing doctor, man. That again, this whole thing is weird. You can't. It is. It is. It is. That he shows it immediately after they've been watching the two, uh, the, the two fathers be intimate, and then it shows the two kids exploring each other. And it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, stop. It's it's enough. To, for us to presume that the aunt has done terrible things to this poor
0: girl and that's why she's so screwed up in the head. Well, I, I think it's all part of that. And do I, do I think he's trying to be a little sensational with it? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's the 80s. He's trying to shock people. Uh, no, I don't think he did a good job, but I think he had a good idea. Um, but anyway, because I don't think there's any other way to really interpret it. Uh, but uh, I, I also don't think any of the misdirection really works either. none of it works and half the time it's not her arms i I, what what i did like is (laughs) terrible terrible the angle of the camp director mel blaming it on ricky was the only one that made any sense how about when she kills the girl with the curling iron and it's presumably
2: her standing in the door but she's wearing a totally different outfit and then in the very next scene she's wearing different it's like it's just stupid you're not fooling anyone
1: yeah you're so bad
2: at this it Again, can't be you it's like <laughs> no it
0: can't be you no oh my god yeah. yeah and every time a victim sees the killer they play the pronoun game effectively
2: the only movie to do it worse than this is Ant-Man and Pontomania
0: <laughs> yeah uh, anyway uh, so after the series of murders everything comes to a head huh, pun intended when Angela lures her camp crush to the lakeshore, presumably to neck, only for the other campers to find a nude Angela rocking back and forth, singing as she cradles her crush's severed head. Then we see a flashback of the crazy aunt telling Peter, "She's always wanted a girl," and then cut to the iconic shot of a blood-covered, mouth agape and groaning Peter slash Angela hanging
1: dog.
2: Doing that crazy what? face, which was a, I believe uh, that is the thing Tom's one of the things Tom Savini made because obviously it's a mask over a,
1: yeah, boy's it's head. So bad, yeah, it's so bad. But it's that is bad. the
2: that is the iconic like look of the crate. Like she's gone full Looney Tune.
0: Yeah, she's the movie just Looney freeze frames to. on it and yeah. just holds it through the credits,
2: and, and it's making a weird noise. Like it's like yeah, like an atonal screeching.
0: It's, like, it's like
2: a dog who wants like wants to get outside and attack a cat
0: it's
1: it's so it's so (laughs) why the movie was so bad and then it just ended like that and I was like what I was so mad at you it was (laughs) 3 o'clock in the morning I was so angry did did you know what
0: was coming Blaine?
1: no I didn't read anything about this movie I didn't look up anything about it Uh, I was like this is going to suck and it starts off and I was like, great, it sucks. And then the whole movie, I was like, this is terrible. This is terrible. And it got to the end and I was like, are you, you fucking kidding me? God damn it. Like, did I just, why? I know I have to like watch another like six movies to get that out of my head before I go to sleep. Otherwise I'm going to have crazy dreams.
0: Uh, I'm sorry.
1: I am truly sorry. Do you need to keep the light on in your bunk tonight, Bling Blake. <laughs> yes. I, I, And I need my Snuggie. I'll send I'll send uh, I'll send Gino over in his Daisy Duke to <laughs> look over you. I don't want to see Gino hanging dong in my tent tonight.
0: Tenderly cradle
2: you like Angela did that boy's head, Paul's head.
1: Wait, are we talking about the dog or the kid from the bunk? <laughs> <laughs> the from the I'd, the I'd bunk. rather have the dog, frankly. <laughs> the dog. All
0: right. Well, give us your beer rating then for sleepaway camp, Bling, bling. It's
1: eighty-seven minutes. Just drink as fast as you can. It is six beers all the way through. This movie sucks. It's terrible. It ends terribly. The kills don't make any sense. The I don't like, it's not a secret. I don't like horror movies or slasher movies, but this wasn't, it wasn't scary. So it wasn't like one of those things I didn't like about it. This movie just sucks. Like t said earlier, like, do you know how long a body would have to be in a lake under a canoe to look like that? Like, like a month and a half. I don't know what kind of bees are just hanging out in these hives at the summer camp that cause like green pus filled sores within seconds, but no, all of this it's it's trash. Six beers. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Let's say UT Dubs. Okay. So I,
2: I love horror movies. I love cheesy horror movies and schlocky horror movies and eighties horror movies in particular. This just, isn't a good movie. It's not even fun in the way that like chopping mall is fun and stupid that I can enjoy it. And the twist, uh, once you've seen it, like that's the only reason to see the movie. And this being my second or third time watching it, it's just a painful watch because it's so poorly acted and not in a fun way. So four pain beers because it is only an hour and 24 minutes long. But if you know the ending, there's no point in watching this movie. If you've heard about it, if you remember from when they talked about it on I Love the 80s, there's no shock value. There's no other tension to speak of in the movie. So, yeah.
0: Four pain beers. Four pain beers. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on the four beers, but I'm going to give it two pain and two enjoyment. Because for every part of this movie that does work, there is a scene of wooden acting or bad dialogue that brings it down. And it definitely gets a little repetitive in the middle. What really strikes me after seeing this movie for like the second or third time is that... Early on, there are other people witness what happens to Angela, so there are other people that could want to, like, defend her honor or get revenge on her behalf, but then by the middle of the movie, things start to happen kind of privately, and then she's really the only person that would be aware that someone had slighted her, so even if you ignore all the other stuff, it's like, why else would anybody be going after that person? If the formula says when something happens to Angela, the person dies. There's no witnesses, so who could who else could it possibly be? The movie's not that smart when it comes to the killer mechanic and the the rules, or whatever. That's that's a hallmark of like
2: bad horror movies where instead of tension, you just you just set up kill after kill after kill with no real logic behind them. It's just like oh, here here's the next one, and and the the lead-ins are so obvious that it kind of takes the enjoyment out of them. It's like late, later series, Nightmare on Elm Street movies were just that, that was the formula. It's like, okay, well, who's going to die first? And then this person will die. And Yeah, this is, it's just, this is crappy uh, Friday the 13th. And that has a better twist. That first Friday the 13th twist is actually really good. And this one's like, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, they don't even have any good fake-outs. None. There's, like, zero fake-outs. None.
2: And, like, why would Mel think Ricky, who's been coming to this camp for years, is suddenly murdering people?
0: Well, now, I'll, now, hold on. That would make sense, because it's Angela's first year, and he's defending his cousin. So I understand that one. That's, like, the only time anyone has, like, a rational thought. Okay. Is-
2: now, but at the same time, Two people are dead. Or at this time, you lock the camp down. Yeah, there's no protocol. Oh, yeah, oh, no, or I mean, you close it and you send everybody you send everybody home. You don't lock it down. I mean, you send everybody home sure. as soon as possible. But Not just like, like Jaws, he, he doesn't
0: want to ruin the season. He needs his money. Got to keep that, the beach open. That's, on. Right. that's, a, that's keep, a little bit yeah. different. So,
2: that that's a shark attack versus a murder in your remote summer camp.
0: But I mean, that's just the logic they're trying to use that you know, for that character, right? He's just worried about the money, and, and don't, a little bit of don't trip. murder
1: my business too.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on, you can have more kids. All right, we've covered the plot and our beer ratings, so let's take a break to hear a message from our curling iron penetrating brother from another mother at the Double Turn Podcast.
2: Hey, everyone! It's the J Man, and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
0: Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We're still talking about Sleepaway Camp, and I have a few questions for the panel. And uh, also, I'm so sorry, Jorge. Anyway, um, I think you mentioned this, T-Dubs. How off-putting is that dramatic score played behind the opening credits?
2: I, I have a problem with the score throughout the entire movie because it doesn't do its job.
0: So it's very off-putting. And the score in this movie is terrible. But they have this peaceful panning shot of the camp and there's really nothing going on. And they're playing like, I'm in a tortured basement and the chains are rattling and someone's at the door music. The music never meets the moment in this movie.
1: Well, you have to pay attention closely during that that opening credit scene, because the camp is clearly they're going to they're going to show us at the end that it's closed. Right. It's the dilapidated camp. Like it's 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 the abandoned camp. And then we're going to get the flashback to why it's closed. And at first you think it's because the water skiing counselor murdered the neighbors of the camp. But then we get, you know, then a few years yeah. go by and they're back at the camp. So you're like, oh,
2: that's uh, it's when Wayne and Garth show up and they go, let's do the killer killer with a hidden penis ending. <laughs> it's
0: 100
1: percent what it is. I, you
0: know, I had not considered that, uh, Blake. Is that like
1: your theory or is that a fact? Because that sounds that sounds like way smarter than this movie is. No, the camp is clearly closed and abandoned during that. opening I, just thought, sequence. I just thought it hadn't opened for the
0: season yet.
1: No, because the very last shot of the opening credits is Camp Arawak with like a for sale sign across the camp sign. Oh, yeah. So it's this is this this is that opening sequence is supposed to be, you know, several years after the events of the film.
2: But yeah, but then it then it takes you eight years before that without telling you, and then takes you eight years later. Yeah, it jumps around. It
1: doesn't make any sense. But that's what's happening. And and I will say this, like. So, you know, I I used to be a a camp counselor. I worked at summer camps for years. I was often one of the first people to arrive at at summer camp. And let me tell you, like, the first night when you're one of, like, three people alone in an empty summer camp, it's creepy as hell. I I will admit that. Empty summer camps are are weird, scary places for odd reasons. Mostly because we watched these movies growing up.
2: Zero chance I would do it simply because I did watch all these movies. I would
1: never. It's scary. (laughs) be a summer camp
2: with two other people
1: i I once scared myself so badly uh one of the first nights of of like opening up the summer camp because i walked into a building and i saw a dark shadowy ghost figure you know across the room from me and i jumped and almost peed my pants and then realized that it was in fact my shadow and there was a light behind me Uh, wow summer camps are scary Okay, now that
0: makes sense. Again, I always assumed it was because it closed because of the boating accident, and this was the first season that had been reopened or something. But I guess that would make sense because Ricky's been there before.
1: Yeah, I mean. No, I hadn't
0: thought that through. Wow, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm very perceptive. I'm the smartest guy on this pod.
0: Clearly. and I'd say something about the Spider-Man suit, too, but I'll just leave it there. Now, I think one of the things this movie does that's interesting that people don't realize necessarily is that the movie's effectively shot from the point of view of the killer because Angela is both the protagonist and the antagonist.
2: Yeah, but like doing it through the eyes of the killer had been done better before. For example, the opening scene of Halloween where young Michael is walking up the stairs in his mask and then he murders his sister and then the the next thing you see is him in the bloody clown suit as the cops are around the house and then they do that throughout the movie where it's you know him breathing through the mask so
0: no I, no i i think i think the the way this movie structures it it's more like psycho like we get both norman and the killer here we get both angela and the killer um and they both have similar twists you know the,
2: what you know why psycho works because norman bates is a creepy intriguing character whereas angela is not right
0: no and I, and I think you know hitchcock built tension in that movie where you get none of that Sleep Boy camp but i thought that was an interesting thing for him to try to do
1: yeah i mean i let, let's not even come close to saying that like hitchcock and hiltzik <laughs> are anywhere near like belong even in the same conversation because this is not hitchcockian uh, in no, fight. it's not. This but is, he was
0: trying is. to do psycho in a summer camp, though. Yeah,
1: actually. this is this is dog shit. But to answer your question, I did kind of like that part of it. That it was I, okay. Yeah, because that's what I'm
0: asking. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that. Like again, I think he was trying to do something interesting. Did he nail it? No, no.
2: But I do like that the killer is among them the entire time.
1: Yeah. If
2: they just masqueraded who it was, better then it works a lot better but it's clear it's the crazy mute girl.
1: Yeah, the fact that that nobody else figures it out and the best guess is from Mel. um, Again, I I think that you're supposed to be wondering, you're supposed to be wondering, is the crazy aunt hiding somewhere in the woods causing these murders, i.e. the twist from Friday the 13th?
2: Yeah, because she Uh, does appear as if she's a lunatic. Or
1: or maybe it's uh, the dad's lover. Uh, you know that's like that. That would have actually been a, a good twist, like because they foreshadowed it, and then he's gone the rest of the movie. Like that would have actually been kind of cool.
0: Oh, yeah, um, I mean, like to your point, if either one of those characters had visited at any point right mm-hmm. after a murder or right before, like there just wasn't enough legit misdirection.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. not early enough. Like she drops them off or something. There, there was ways to do it. Yeah, the chief detective of the of the camp should not be the guy who's in his office. Doing heaps of cocaine
1: and smoking Pall malls and
2: drinking cheetahs. Harassing protein. the counselors. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and yeah, and, and trying to have sex with like a 20-year-old camp counselor. Dude, that
2: yeah. dude would have had a heart attack. He would have been dead. She would have yeah. like, like Mel's dead. This, what happened? Yeah. Did the killer get him? Uh yes. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. We weren't well, having sex. You know, and <laughs> it
0: also doesn't make sense for him to be the lead detective because he's the one that's got the most uh vested interest which he expresses in the film, to keep it covered up. It's an accident! It should have been the big guy. Should have been the big guy.
1: Definitely, he should, have been, definitely the,
0: should, he should have, been. have been the male protagonist of the movie trying. The whole thing should have been him trying to defend Angela while trying to figure out who the killer is. Definitely should have his,
2: been uh, Jack have made, Steve Perry.
0: That would have made his reveal at the, the reveal at the end when he's the one that sees it and makes the comment, oh my god, she's a boy. That would have made that way more significant if he'd been and he did defend her throughout the movie but if he'd been more defensive of her if he'd been like if that had been a plot point that he was there trying to shield her and help her protect her while also trying to solve the the mystery have him be the Fred of the bunch and her be the daphne but anyway uh you guys have a favorite kill uh well they're all kind of
2: bland but I'll give the uh, the kid who dies in the canoe credit because the snake comes out of his mouth.
1: <laughs> you really were the... making fun of that earlier. It's I not really
2: was, the kill. Like, yeah, that's just, that... like the after the post-mortem is the only interesting one. Like the knife kill is abysmal. Uh, the bees thing is also pretty stupid because the kid's like, let me out of here. And he's just like shuffling his feet. Like okay, yeah. he must be in terrible pain. Uh, <laughs> like he was
1: like crumbling up newspapers and like uncrumbling, and them am like, I'm
2: stuck in a toilet stall. Oh yeah. No. Meanwhile, it takes like one shoulder charge to get out of that stall. Yeah, or just climb over the top. Yeah, it's yeah, quarter inch uh, plywood. Yeah, you crawl under the bottom. Like there's a million ways to
1: escape that that don't involve going.
0: Let me out of here. Uh, not a lot of blood in this movie.
1: Now, no. no, uh, so I don't put. It, I don't really count against it, frankly. I mean the oh, head.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just saying it wasn't a super gory
0: slasher. No, no cradling no. the head is pretty metal. Yeah, yeah, that ending scene is pretty is pretty metal. Really the uh,
2: the archery one is utter utter trash. It's trash
0: kill. If, if it, it was so, it was too bloodless. If there'd just been a little more blood there, that would have been fine. I
1: thought it looked good. Yeah, but see was, the way Kevin Bacon died in Friday the Thirteenth. That's how you do the cool arrow through the throat. Yep.
2: Way cooler. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it's been done before. Uh, but points for Angela throwing it like a javelin, though. Um, Which,
2: by the way, would mean it's not getting through the neck. No. Um, <laughs> just
0: that. Just, just bounce yeah. off. Yeah. Right? Like, ow! <laughs> I, I, I think I it's have to happy. give it to the curling iron just because it was so novel. Like, I did not see that one coming.
2: That like, was that pretty was...
0: pretty messed up, yeah. And there pretty is a persistent up. rumor that there's a more graphic uh yeah, let's hope not I'm it, good. it's not true it's not true it's okay the, the cast and the director have confirmed that no they shot like that with a silhouette and that was all they ever shot um i thought that was pretty good like honestly it was it was inventive it was brutal and they didn't like turn it into like gratuitous gore or nudity so i give them credit for that and also you kind of hated judy at that point so that's one of the few times you're kind of like yeah okay maybe she did deserve it
1: bitch I guess I was perceptive enough to notice that the camp was closed at the beginning of the movie and that that takes place after all the events of the film. But I didn't automatically understand that she shoved the curling iron where she did. I didn't, I didn't quite get that. Plus it was open in the shadow, you know, so I I didn't quite get that. I guess that's what happened, but because everybody says so she could have shoved down her throat. I don't know. Why do we have, why do we assume that it went on the other end? Because because it was personal.
0: If I was a profiler, that wasn't a rage killing. That wasn't a crime of opportunity. That was personal. If you say so. And, and oh. it's also because I think if you... Here's what I read into it. What's the first interaction Angela and Judy have? Like one-on-one. It's when they're sitting on their bunks and Angela's staring at Judy. And Judy like, like admonishes her for that. And I think it's because Angela's actually a little jealous of her appearance.
1: That she's actually a, a woman.
0: Yeah, and she's and she's pretty, and they look kind of similar. Like everyone looks like Sarah Silverman in this movie. I don't get it. Like that was a weird choice. I think I would have definitely had those two characters look a little more different, and they almost did because uh, Angela was almost Jane Krasowski or whatever.
2: Oh,
1: really?
0: Yeah. How about yep. them apples? She didn't like the script. She's like, "This is trash," so she passed.
1: Well, yeah. And then so. later, she was on Thirty Rock.
2: Right. I got yeah. to tell you, I'm I'm really appreciative, Mindhunter, that you've broken down the psychology of this movie for us because oh, I, tell us more, Jonathan Groff. Yeah.
0: Again, I'm telling you, I think it's it's about like it's the the confused sexuality. And she both is envious and hates Judy, so she gets it extra personal.
2: Which also doesn't speak very well to this movie's progressive nature. Like they're laughing at their gay dads.
1: is are well, kids stop. snickering. There's this kids, movie's not progressive. Yeah, this movie's homophobic and transphobic. Yeah, it it's, is. It's not progressive it's not, in the slightest. Yeah, I, I don't understand how anybody could think that it's a champion of the LGBTQ community. I, no. I, think, like, I think it's it, more about. It's more than it. it introduce
0: characters that have those characteristics well sure like you can snickering is homophobic I think that's showing that kids it's childish uh, uh, behavior they're naive they don't know under, they don't understand
2: yeah but the it's, trans so it's, it's character funny. is a demented psychopath which is exactly what the lunatic right says about people but, now but, it's but like she, she, it's she's an anti message message movie she
0: did not transition consensually she's no, not but there's that, but that's also what they
1: say, and there's also the insinuation that that by witnessing her father and his lover that that created some kind of trauma that caused yes. her to have confusion that's, that's and want to murder people. That like,
0: that is that that I say, would say is fair, and I do think the movie does imply that because,
1: because there's part of part of her psychosis is that her her father's relationship with his boyfriend, and 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 she cuts off Paul's head because now she's having what are. To your point that, that she was forced into this transition, it's not really a transition at all, she's more of like a forced cross-dressing. And, yeah. and then has feelings for Paul, obviously. And yep. then and that messes her up even more because now she's yep. like, I don't know if I'm straight or gay or whatever. So now I'm gonna chop his head off.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, have, yeah I have to punish, I have to punish him. And for making and, me gay and basically or, punishing myself by doing it, both right? Or, yeah. Right,
0: I can't handle this, I can't let myself have it. Yeah, no, so, I'm I, I, not I saying Angela's a good person,
1: no, I think I, but I think, victim, like, I, I think she's clearly a victim, uh, but again, so bad writing, yes, yes, somebody got murdered today, it was a script. So, so if, if it's trying to be progressive, if it was trying to be progressive, even by 83 standards, uh, it just failed miserably because I, I don't know, maybe, maybe through a, through through a lens of, of 40 years ago, it's different, but watching it for the first time uh, this week, I was just like, this is not, this isn't progressive at all. Well, I,
0: I think it is for the time. I, I think you got to understand, it's not meant to be a positive message. It's just meant to show things, right? and, One of the things I will say is homophobic about the movie, but it's painted in a bad light, is that the kid's language. There's a lot of uh, homophobic uh, uh, insults and slurs thrown around. I don't think we get a hard uh, F-bomb, but they do talk a lot about cock sucking and things like that.
2: Yeah, but I mean, that's also very...
1: When they're trying to tease you into thinking Ricky is the killer, he's like, I'll
0: laugh and kill you, man.
1: No, not it, that effort. Not that yeah. effort. The other one. Oh no, yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, right. Okay. So, so, so the movie doesn't get outright homophobic in that sense, but there's just a lot of like, you know, a lot of jokes yeah. about sexual acts and stuff, and, and it's mostly with the boys, and the girls do it too. Angela does it too.
1: That uh, that I think is again, obviously not. Progressive or appropriate through today's lenses, but very much a product of its of its time. That right, was, and it, what I'm trying to say to is, they
0: right don't now. play it as being gratuitous. I think it adds to the movie. It adds to the 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 sexuality, the expression of the way the teenagers in the '80s expressed their sexuality. You know, and a lot of times it was in those vulgar terms.
1: I feel like we're you getting know. way too deep into
2: this. Yeah. Piece no, of I, shit. Uh, I, yeah, I, we're overanalyzing analyzing in. a movie that ends. With a person wearing a mask who's naked
0: and i think if you look closely in that final scene you can actually see when angela is on the ground cradling the head if you look closely you can see the actor that plays the nude angela getting undressed like on the far side of the lake (laughs) like down down the ways there's someone in the background taking their shirt off and it's it's the college kid uh, they hired to play Angela's body devil. And uh, yeah, he was a local college kid. He shaved his body and got good and drunk and then did the scene. <laughs> True story. Uh, anyway, I've already made the Sarah Silverman joke. Uh, we we're just beating on it. Short answers here. Why is the movie so gay?
1: Because they're idiots.
0: I mean, I got no it just seems a weird sure. choice. The director was asked this and his answer was, it's foreshadowing.
2: So there you have it. I mean, this movie does way, It does not do nearly as good a job with that as Nightmare on Elm Street Two.
1: Yeah, mm. It's it's clearly trying, like That's to fair. your point, to your point, Jim Zell. It's it's clearly trying to, I don't know, explain Angela's psychosis through this lens of repressed and forced sexuality. Yep. But God, it's just done so poorly. So-
0: Think about it this way. What if Angela, the character of Angela, was actually a homosexual teen whose parents were trying to force them to be straight? Well, that makes her more logical. and sense. Well, I'm just saying apply that same kind of logic to her, her her psyche and her motivations. She's still having these unnatural feelings. She doesn't know how to process them. She's been told they're wrong. She should feel one way, not the other. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying the movie's that smart, but I mean, that's kind of the idea they're playing it's with. It's not that smart. It's not. And it's, it's
1: not. And it's also grossly conflating gender and sexuality as two yeah. sides it's of the, the same 80s. coin, which is definitely not, right? It's the 80s, right?
0: We've already talked about it. the misdirection of the movie. Really doesn't work, right?
1: No, not well, at
0: all. Yeah. And that's really where the movie falls apart because that's kind of what they're trying to do. Well, a good um, horror movie
2: has to have tension and has to make you question things as you're going through changing who you
0: think's doing it. Yeah. There's not a nearly enough uh accusatory scenes where I think it's you. I think it's you. You know, there's not enough of that for my, for my liking. Uh, okay. Uh, speed, speed uh, round here. Does the ending work for you guys?
2: You know, it's going to be, it's one of those things you'll never forget. Yeah. So
0: the first time you
1: see it, it's like, yeah. Oh, it surprised me. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's right. really the question Blake as a first time viewer. Did it really surprise you? Did you have it suspicions? Did.
1: No, I did not. I did not. I knew that it was that Angela was the killer. Uh I wasn't sure why I thought she was just weird. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, in that sense the the ending did work for me. It did surprise me. Um I did not see uh her being a, a boy. I did not have that on my bingo card. So, good yeah. good job there. Yep.
0: Do you agree with the movie's cult status, T-Dubs?
2: No, I don't think this movie's entertaining enough to be a cult movie. Usually like if you're a cult movie, you could gather around in the theater and like with friends and laugh at how stupid some of the lines are, but there, this movie's just it's it doesn't cross that that threshold of being dumb but f- funny because it's dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. There's really not, not, any not enough intentional comedy characters. here. Yeah, and there's not enough likable characters, and the acting's it's hard. It's hard. Like, there you can watch movies where the acting's really bad, but there's entertainment value to it, and that's just not here. It, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to describe, I guess. But no, I don't think this should be a cult movie. It's it's a movie that lives and dies on, on the penis reveal.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, what about you, Boeing?
1: Yeah, I think for a movie to be, you know, a cult classic, it has to be something that you're willing to watch over and over again, right? Like like Big Lebowski is a cult classic because we've all watched it 150 times, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it's a movie you're, you're going to want to watch over and over again. I no desire to ever see this movie again. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, that's fair. Um, I, yeah, if I watched it, I said two or three. I think I've seen it like probably four times now, honestly. Uh, it's not like my favorite horror movie but i 100 percent understand the cult appeal because it it is campy the reveal is famous like infamous i suppose and i forgot to mention this earlier but i think the movie's biggest mistake is the best kill is not even a kill when that guy gets burnt by the water pot that's like the best special effect in the entire movie. And they blow it in the first like 15 minutes. And not and he doesn't, one of the he doesn't kills die. After that, matches up until the head at the end. And even that's just
2: the kind one of guy who deserved to die the most doesn't it's die.
0: Oh, yeah. He doesn't even die on screen. I mean, he probably died of a horrible infection in 1983. So, you know, we can all wish him the worst. But yeah, that's like one of the best kills and like the most deserved kills. And the movie gives it to you, right? Or, Kills, maimings. It gives it to you right up front. So it fails to even build the stakes with the kills. Uh, But anyway, but I, yeah, sorry, I just had to get off my chest. No, but I agree with the cult status. Uh, I think the movie checked several boxes. It did make money in theaters, but it wasn't super popular. It gained its reputation on video and people watching it over and over again. And it does have a really strong, dedicated fan base. They do like fan conventions every year. And they have basically, convince the director to consider making another one oh so who great knows? great uh
2: i will say killer box art killer poster for this movie yeah it's a real eye catcher i remember yeah. that from when i was a kid and i always wanted to run it and i never did but I, the i'll sneaker never, with the knife through it? never forget that poster yeah it's a great poster
0: how they got the Adidas sneaker on there i'll never know Times are that was probably Adidas. fifty thousand dollars of the budget right there. <laughs> Getting get the Adidas shell on the poster. Yeah, needed uh, that extra play. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, listener, we need to crack open another super gay Bud Light ahead of the competitive portion of the pod. We'll see you on the flip side. All right, folks, welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. It's finally time for the Carpenter's Dream Trivia Challenge. It's the standard format, five questions, multiple choice. And tonight you'll be playing for the screen-used Angela mask from that infamous final scene. Tonight's chime-ins are, eat shit and live. This guy blows dead dogs. Well, excuse me, bitch. Bitch or any of the pod standards. That's another thing about this movie. Not a lot of good one-liners in it. Some decent curse words, but no real actual quips.
1: No, there's there's nothing good.
0: Not a very quotable movie. All right, let's kick it off with question number one. Jonathan Tiersten, a.k.a. Ricky, went on to star in several low-budget horror movies. Which of these was one of them? A. Troll 2. B, Toilet Zombie Baby Strikes Back. C, Ghoulies. Or
1: D, The Original Troll. Eat shit and live. That's Bling Blake. Let's go with Ghoulies. Ghoulies, C. That is incorrect. I'm just guessing here. I have no idea.
2: Okay, uh, this guy blows dogs uh, okay G-Dubs can you steal? I don't believe it's Troll 2 so I'm going to go with the original Troll
0: I'm sorry that is incorrect is it, it be? would be yep. Toilet Zombie Baby Strikes Back yeah damn we got to do Troll 2 one of these days I've seen that twice Neil God, Neil Bogg Bog. I've seen the original Troll once it's a much better movie But anyway, okay, well, hey, we're tied up with goose eggs here. Moving on to question number two. Sleepaway Camp was famously Mike Cohen's last role, but in his second last role, he starred in a made-for-TV Shakespeare adaptation. Which one of Bill's classics was it? Was it A, Macbeth, B, Othello, C, King Lear, or D, A Midsummer Night's Dream?
2: Oh hell, let's go for it! Uh, Farts and tarts. All
0: right, T. Dubs. He played. He played King Lear. He definitely played King Lear. That is correct. <laughs> yes, yes. I think it was filmed and in, in, released in eighty-two.
2: Well, I got to see that because yep. that's got to
0: be good. I'm pretty sure it's free on YouTube from my little does it,
1: research. Does it have to be good?
2: I mean, he was I- such a great actor.
0: It got no, good reviews. It, I saw good reviews for it, and for his so did this. Specifically,
1: this has an eighty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't believe any reviews anymore. None of that <laughs> stuff matters. Well, All right,
0: that gives you the lead with one point, T Dubs, and takes us to question number three. Karen Fields, A.K.A. Judy, did voiceover work for what hit '90s cartoon series? Was it A. The Simpsons? B. The Powerpuff Girls. C. Doug. Or D. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I'm going to shoot. <laughs> All right, Bling Blade. Doug. Doug, I'm sorry. Quail Man was not the answer. Damn,
1: man, I thought she was Patty Mayonnaise for sure. Can you steal T-Dubs? Okay,
2: so... Uh... Sky Blues Dogs. Uh I'm going with Power
0: Powder Girls. Power Girls. Powerpuff,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh B Power Girls. That is incorrect. It was A, The Simpsons. Oh. She voiced some of Bart's like school friends from the first season of The Simpsons.
1: Yep. How about that, Apples? Mm-hmm. Well
0: ready, T Dubs. You've still got the lead with one point, And that brings us to question number four. The actual camp the movie was filmed at. Was named after which Native American tribe? Was it A, the Lakota, B, the Seneca, C, the Crow, or B, the Algonquin? I'm gonna shoot. That is T Dubs. Ooh. I think it was Blake, but we go with the Seneca. Seneca? B, that is incorrect.
2: Oh, Oh, I
0: thought for sure that was the answer. That was the area. That is Blake. Can you steal? The remaining answers are A, the Lakota, C, the Crow, or D, the Algonquin. Let's go with Algonquin. D, that is correct. All right, folks, we've got a competition now. We're all tied up one-to-one. Well played, Bling Blake. So here we go. Question number five. For all the marbles and the plaster cast mask of Angela's face, what was Angela's final body count in the film? Was it A, 7, B, 10, C, 11, or D, 13? Oh, listeners, they are doing math in their head right now. I can yeah. see them.
1: Furrowed brows, squinting eyes. I'm going to shoot.
0: Blame Blake.
1: My options were 8, 10, 11, and 13. Is that right? Options are 7, 10, Oops. 11, and 13. Sorry, I'm going to go with 10.
0: 10. B, 10. Final answer.
1: Final answer.
0: That is correct. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah Shit, it was... 10
0: on-screen kills. It would be 11, but as we indicated, the cook does yeah, not die. The cook doesn't die. Yep. So what we get uh, for the 10 kills are boat, bees, back, iron, hatchet, times four, arrow, and head. A little shorthand so, there for you folks. See
2: that was what was that's what was tripping me up. I thought there was three kids in, in it in is a little hands. ambiguous. But it's four because I was like, wait. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what tripped me up. Well
0: congratulations Bling Blake. You are the big winner tonight of the Carpenter's Dream trivia challenge.
1: I'm hanging that the and- board
0: and you need a good screw. I didn't know where that was coming from. Such a weird line <laughs> in this movie. Oh, and she,
2: she got a screw. Oh yeah,
0: she did. Mm-hmm. Right? Come on, that was personal. <laughs> Brutal. Telling you, put, putting on my Fox Mulder hat here. Yeah, clearly the
2: the, the guy who wrote the FBI field manual chumps so for, for profiling. Yeah, so takes which, one to know one, folks. What's your expertise? Wait, no. Uh, I've seen Sleepaway Camp like five times. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'm basically Kristoff from Frozen. Yeah, that's, that's a PhD at this point. That's all it really takes. Same right, guy, so, by the
0: way. Fox Mulder.
1: No, Mind Hunter and uh Mind oh. and Kristoff from, from Frozen. Yeah, he's also I do not know that. he's also King George. Yeah. So. Da
0: Wow. Alright, well, that brings us to recommendations, and as always, I will go first because I am selfish. And my recommendation this week is another to-be-gem, Last Shift. Much like Sleepaway Camp, Last Shift is a female-driven indie horror film. It's basically a haunted house film set in a soon-to-be-closed police station. The writer director just gave it the Evil Dead 2 treatment, by which I mean basically remade his first movie with a bigger budget but according to the guys over at the Halloween is forever podcast the original is much better so I took their advice and I gave it a shot and I would definitely recommend doing the same it is a good small tight indie horror movie I like that again it's kind of the haunted house movie with some other like uh, elements to it that is pretty scary and very atmospheric and the sound design is really cool if you got a decent surround sound system it's pretty cool. Like, it definitely messes with you some. Very much in the same vein, I would say, from, like, a production value standpoint as The Void, which was another indie horror movie those guys recommended, which was great. So I definitely recommend checking out Last Shift on Tubi. Come on, Tubi bucks. Anyways, what do you got for us,
1: uh, Bling Blake? Well, I don't have any other horror movies to recommend because I don't what? like horror movies. Uh, But I caught a movie that features sleeping uh, with my kids the other night on Netflix, and that is Slumberland starring Jason Momoa. Uh, That was a fun little adventure with the kiddos. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's got Kyle Chandler, you know, from uh, Friday Night Lights. And Jason Momoa, and I don't know who the little girl is, but she's pretty good in it. And uh, Chris O'Dowd, who was in, in Bridesmaids, I like him. So good movie. Check out Slumberland. The other one I saw this week that I also enjoyed uh, with my boy, Zach Efron was the greatest beer run ever uh, about a guy from New York who delivers beers to all of his, all the guys from his neighborhood fighting in Vietnam over the course of like three days. He travels around Vietnam and and gives beers to his buddies that are fighting over there. And uh, it was a good time you know it's it's sad it's funny there's some poignant moments there's some good war action stuff russell crowe's in it uh so yeah check out uh, the greatest beer run ever it's on apple tv plus no all right i started watching that last night but i fell asleep I'll, I'll have to try it again not exactly a ringing endorsement there chumpy it
0: was late i was tired i'm not putting that on the movie and i'm old
1: well, that's probably uh, the biggest guys-
0: factor <laughs> yes, that's a significant factor to say the least. T-Dubs, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I
2: want to clarify a couple of things because I had a bit of the con brain fog last week. So we're wrong. Indiana Jones did spend time teaching at Princeton in the 1930s, and then he also taught at Marshall College, which is a fictional university. Anyways, the whole being It means that I this. was right.
1: We weren't wrong. I yeah. said Princeton. You guys all corrected me. Yeah. So
2: Either way, being mad over him working at Hunter College is stupid. Uh, And the Indiana Jones novels I recommend recommended uh, were actually titled The Unicorn's Horn and The Interior World. I'm now reading Indiana Jones and the White Witch, which is by a different author. But Rob McGregor wrote Unicorn's Horn and The Interior World. And you actually have to read them in the order I mentioned. Unicorn's Horn actually plays into The Interior World, which a lot of Rob McGregor's books do. They do have an order to them. So if you can find them all, and there's a bunch, you have to read them in a certain order and you can find that on the internet. Uh, Now I've actually been watching a lot of stuff despite still logging countless hours in tears of the kingdom. I'm almost done now. Uh, Two political satire shows that are excellent. One being totally fictitious. That is veep that show came out in 2012, but it's probably one of the best performed and written and acted shows I've ever seen. I finally watched it. We streamed the hell out of it. I loved it. I loved it. It's incredible. And then the other one also on Max is White House Plumbers, which is about the bumbling assholes who were behind the Watergate break-in. And yes, it is uh sort of over exaggerated how idiotic some of these people were, but it just smacks you in the face of how like this this shit is like still the incompetence of some of these operatives and the things they're trying to do is still happening today. It's just it it was so good. Um Justin Throw is G Gordon Liddy was amazing. I was just <laughs> and, gonna ask who plays Liddy and and Woody Harrelson as E. Howard Hunt. Also, you know, he's always great, but the, the ensemble is great. terrific. Uh Lena Headey's in it as E. Howard Hunt's wife. Uh Judy Greer is in it as uh G. Gordon Liddy's wife. A lot of lot of actors you'll recognize. Um Dom Hall Gleason. Uh yeah, so check it out. I really enjoyed White House Plumbers, and it is actually fairly historically accurate. So it's wild, man. It's it's just it's wild. These guys. Yeah, thought it's they kind were of funny world from liberalism.
0: Like, yeah, it's it's funny when people describe some of these, uh, you know, Trump scandals as like dumb Watergate. That's really discounting the fact how dumb actual Watergate was.
2: Yeah, like I mean, there's literally there no smart Watergate where they the guy fails to tell them that the police are coming because he's watching a movie and that's, that's true. The guy was watching a movie on TV and missed the fact that the police had entered the building. (laughs) And so yeah, check it out. So that's really good. Um, Great summer camp slasher fear street, 1978, a throwback to 1980s, eighties, seventies slasher movies. It's on Netflix. It's great. Uh, And then I watched the new Nicholas cage movie on demand. Uh, I ran it for six 99 sympathy for the devil very small movie basically it's him acting off of Joel kinnaman I thought he was great in it it's not a perfect movie but it's certainly entertaining and he's he owns the screen he was awesome in it so yeah that's a that's a lot of recommendations for you oh and I finished uh extraction two on Netflix which kicked all sorts of ass I don't think it was as good as extraction one I know it got better reviews but I guess it's a, he does kill a man with a leg press, so I can't argue
0: with that. I mean, like the machine, the leg press, or does he just like leg? Press yeah,
2: like leg he step? he drops the safety and the machine crushes the man's head. It's it's top tier, wow. top tier action kill. I okay, watch a man's nice. head get crushed with a leg press any day of the week. That's pretty gnarly.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was quite the packed recommendation there, T Dubs. And that brings us to next week's episode, where we pack our bags again for a trip to Indian Summer. I thought we were doing the Boeing Stripe Pajamas. What's going on?
1: No, that's, that's not a camp we want to it? It's a different kind of camp. It's a camp. It Lasted way more than summertime.
0: No, no. Yeah, no. Indian Summer. Who, who's in that? I've never seen it. Alan I Arkin. I remember this one cold. Just like Blake yeah. went into sleep. Alan Arkin's
1: camp. the big star.
2: R.I.P. Well, he, he's the old, their old camp counselor. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, we got Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. it has got a great cast. I'm looking forward to watching that one again. Yeah. I've never
0: seen it. That sounds intriguing. Um, so Indian Summer it is. As always, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B-O-Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. You can find Captain Cash on most of your social medias at Captain Cash. That's C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. And the thunderous wizard can be found on Twitter at writertlk. Are you on threads yet, T Dubs?
2: Well, soon yeah. enough. I'm about, no I'm about yet, ready to yet. give up on X.
0: X. X gonna give it
2: to you. All X is gonna give to you is horrible
0: right-wing trolls.
2: That's what I've discovered about X.
0: A lot of them with blue check marks. Yeah. Yeah. And Bling Blake, who does the Twitters at Bling Blake. Don't forget to check him out there. If you enjoy the pod, leave us a review or drop us a line on the socials. We're always looking for feedback or suggestions for future episodes. And don't forget, listener.